Hey, 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 Closet Busters and Bold Move Makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the Bold Move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, Life on Closet family. Do you know what it's like when you get these ideas of whimsy and, oh, I don't know, I feel inspired, and then something happens? Or maybe you see things through an interesting lens that maybe other people haven't been able to see that, and you're like, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. And what do you do with that? Well, for some of us, we go and we write a interesting, whimsical book about, well, life and who we've been, where we are, and we take off with it and we run with it. And that's exactly what our guest today has done. He's an author. He's written a really fun book called Jane and the Average North Dakota. I just, I want to laugh every time I hear it because I'm like, I love this title. His name is Chandler Meyer, and he's been a professional musician. He's written some short stories. He's done a lot of other stuff. He's been a writer for um, Prism and Pen. He's even done some stuff that just really probably pushes some envelopes. So we may get into all of that, but um, he is happily married. I'm assuming so. <laughs> anyway, he's been yes. married for a while. <laughs> And I'm just excited to have you here, Chandler. And again, I just, you, you can see, I smile every time I think about the title of the book. So really happy to have you here, man. Thanks, well, that man. makes me happy to hear too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so you've been writing for a while, it sounds mm -hmm. like. This is part of what you do. And well, besides writing, you know, I'm a musician, but did the mus music come first? The, the writing books? What, what was the, have you always written? No, I have not always written. Uh, I, in fact, all I do anymore is, is write. Um, wow. I was once a musician, but I have um, had some health issues. And so now um, life really is solitary as much as is possible and low stress. And because I have been a creative my whole life, I turned to writing because I felt that uh, I couldn't just sit and not do anything. And part of what was helpful to me in my own, um, for my own health, was yeah. to be creative. So I, I um, enjoy writing fiction. I enjoy creating worlds and characters and people and situations. It's it's um, it's really soul satisfying, mm -hmm. isn't it? Though I mean, I I just wrapped up book number two, and um, oh, congratulations! Of course, I'm I'm sitting there on it, like, okay, now I got to do the freaking book proposal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, but. That's a whole nother energy shift right in and of itself. But I'm like, it feels really good, you know? And I put, I did put this book out and I, I'm having my own little writer self-doubts. I mean, I love writing. I don't do it near as much as I used to. I used to write a ton. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm having that like, you know, imposter syndrome writers thing. Like, I don't know if this one's going to be any good. I don't know if people are going to really like it. You know, oh, that. So I know I, what that means. So I put it, I gave it to some people that I'm like, okay, there are people I know, but I know they, I trust that they're going to be candid. Right. 
And so here we are like three weeks into this and like, nobody said anything like it's a piece of shit. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> and of course, as soon as, I'm having those, as soon as I'm having those thoughts, one, one person said, Hey, I've got your book. I've been really swamped. I'm going to try to dive in. And I said, you know, I told you like by the end of February is fine. Another one wrote me, I've been sick with COVID. I'm still not out of it. I want to get into your book. And I'm like, okay. One of them is one of my clients. He's like, Rick, you know what's going on with me? I'm like, okay, just take a breath here. You know, I gave it to my daughter. She's like, dad, this is really good. I'm like, okay, are you just saying that? She goes, no, dad, this is actually really good, right? (laughs) I'm like, are you sure you're not just saying that? Is there something you want, you know? She's like, dad, I'm serious. She goes, if it wasn't good, I would tell you. I'm like, okay, but um, yeah, it's it's such a journey doing this, right? It is. Uh, And because I was a musician, I'm I'm used to having criticism in, in the art that I do. So for this, what's been interesting is that I really take nothing personally about my book. Uh, when people have looked at some of the writing that I've done, the short stories or the the book itself, and I get some feedback that's like, oh, you know, I wish you would have done this, or I didn't really like that. I don't I, I don't take that personally. I, I actually have enjoyed knowing that somebody had a reaction to it, uh, an emotional reaction, a visceral reaction. Um, and if it's positive, that's fantastic. And it's lots of fun to hear, but if it's negative, I actually kind of have a good time listening to that too. Right. Well, I, I want to listen to that because I mean, (laughs) I went through my first book and it was not a good experience in so many ways. I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it because listeners who've listened for a long time, like, Oh God, here we go about the first book. (laughs) (laughs) But I learned so much through that experience. And then when I did get it, took it back. I bought back the rights and everything. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do this my way. I learned a lot about that too. And I learned a lot about having an editor that was really a good editor versus what I had. And even as I was going, it was funny, I was going through it and recording, you know, the audio book. And there would be times that I'd be like, I'm on the mic and I'm reading the book and I'm like, what the fuck? And I'd say I'm like, what the fuck is this sense? It doesn't make any sense. I'm like, oh God, I was doing so good. Uh, that chapter was sounding so good on audio. And then I'm like, I'm like, so I, I literally put a little post-it note on my computer, like, do not swear on the audiobook. Just read the book. <laughs> but it's frustrating when you find something like that. It's like, I have read this, I have read this, I have read this, the editors read this, they've read it. And then here it is. The first time we see it again, it's like, where did that sentence come from? It makes no sense. There's the yeah. wrong punctuation and the grammar and everything. Right. So, um, but let's, let's dive in. So which, without giving away too much, like just, just the name of the book alone is just, it's just so whimsical and fun, but what it's a novel, right? Yes. So if you were to tell somebody the gist of it is what? It's a coming of age story and it's an unconventional coming of age story because our protagonist is 32 years old. Mm. And it's even old for a lot of gay people who are coming out. Uh, Randy has spent his entire life in Minot, North Dakota, and Mm. he has lived with his parents and they've made the decisions for him. And when they're gone, when they pass, he just before he he uh, just before they go, his mother says to him that she knows he needs to go off and be with people like him. And as many of us who were Midwesterners and 
I was born in a very small town in, in Ohio. I know that conversations like that are rarely ever direct. People don't necessarily like to talk about things that make them uncomfortable, gay people, for, for instance. And so his mother saying, I, I, I think you need to be with people like you was enough for him to say, I think she's right. And when they're gone, he jumps out of his, his comfort zone and goes to Washington, D.C., only to find, as most of us do, that we take ourselves with us. And he got there and was having the same trouble being himself that he was in Minot. So when he meets a dra uh, drag Jane Mansfield, she becomes his very godmother of, of sorts. Although she says, uh, I don't mean by my mind being called a fairy, but I'm no mother by any sort. <laughs> And I love and these so stories that it, are just fun and whimsical and, yeah, and you know, they come from a space too, right? of enjoyment. But then there's also that message, you know, as a guy who came out later in life, I I always, well, it's funny, honestly, Chandler, because there was a little bit of sense of I've wasted too much time, even though I had come out when I was 19, went back in, then came out at 36. But then there's also those moments of I've got so much more experience under my belt, which I had. I mean, I'd been in a long term, 13 year marriage. And so I had some good relationship experience. Some would say, no, you didn't. If you were hiding in the closet as a gay man with a woman. But there's things you learn about being in relationships, right? That's right. But there's always these interesting things like you don't expect what's going to come up. And there were there were so many funny pitfalls along the way as I was doing this. I'm like. I really should write that book, which is kind of what my first book was, but it, there's some fun in it. But I think the ability to take something like what you've done and have fun with it, but also the reader will walk away with not only enjoyment, but like some lessons learned. That to me is when you've really, truly hit a home run with something that you do. It was a little surprising to me the the number of people, especially reviewers who have, have read the book, who's noticed the uh, the character of Randy being the the touching part that they were mm. uh, touched by his transition over time and honestly for me I was writing about Jane I I have a, a deeply sarcastic sense of humor that sort of stuck in there and mm. Jane was my way of getting that out uh, so Randy was he was she was he was just the foil I guess <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, but but it's 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 a great way to know how somebody can see something from a whole nother experience. That whimsical, you know, your own voice. I mean, my my voice is a, a big black diva named Lemonade Pop, and when she pops <laughs> in, it's just boom, there it is. It's like you know, you just been bitch slapped basically. Yeah. <laughs> and this was what was really hard with this second book because this one is more for the masses than just for the LGBTQ community. Uh -huh. And I was like, I started out with her being the voice and then I started having my doubts like, I don't know, that may be a little bit much to make this mass appeal. But I'm like, but she's funny. She's like, she's just this sassy bitch, right? Yeah. But then I'm like, wait, it doesn't have to be like a drag queen name to make it work. I, and so I just started saying, you know, and then this inner this inner beast within me, you know, she is just vicious, you know. And so I kind of let that be the voice like, well, you know, my inner voice would be saying, wake up, you know, wake the fuck up, people. <laughs> and so I'm like, OK, <laughs> that can be fun. Right. Like and it's a, am trying to make this book like lessons and teaching. But 
I do have that kind of weird, wicked sense of humor too. And it sometimes hits you when you're least expecting it. Well, and, you know. and those of us who've been in the community for a long time understand that I think we grew up putting that sarcasm, that, that biting sense of humor onto things to sort of help us hide. And, mm -hmm. you know, as we get older, we don't necessarily need it as much. And, and you know, I'm 28 years with my husband. I have nothing to hide there. And right. so I don't feel a need for that all the time. But it's still part of me. It's something that that I think I created just to help me get by when I was younger. Well, and it's part of it's a part of you. <laughs> so why not bring it forward? Right. Right. Um, but Randy I, is also very much a part of me. Of uh, course, he's in, in being quiet. And it's it was interesting because I hadn't thought so much about what my personal influences were on the story. It was just a story that came to my mind. I wrote this little synopsis of, of, of a few hours on a Tuesday night in October running the drag race in Washington, D.C. And mm -hmm. my father read the book and he said, well, this is your story, isn't it? And I said, no, dad, it's not my story. And he said, uh, it sounds like it because I moved to Washington, D.C. when I was 28. And that's when I came out. Now, outside of that, there's only one scene in the entire book of, that's something that actually happened to me. But he felt like I was really telling about myself. And so mm -hmm. I've been thinking about that quite a bit and thought, well, maybe there is more, more of me in this book than I realize. I find that to be really true. I mean, I know in both my mm -hmm. books, I'm like, okay, there's pieces of me that are showing up. I mean, it's my book, right? There's pieces of me. Right. But as I wrote the second book that I'm trying to go a little more, quote, mainstream, mm -hmm. I started holding back. I'm like, mm -mm, you can't. You got to put yourself in this, Rick. And and actually, you know, my daughter that I said has told me it was really good. She goes, this is like your real, your real wisdom stuff, dad. This is the stuff that you people see you for and you know, all that. And I'm like, mm. what, do you need a new car or something? <laughs> what is <laughs> it? No, I'm kidding. She was, she was very genuine. And um, it's, it's one of those things that I found constraint when I was like, okay, it has to be this, this is going to be, and I'm like, this will not be the book. And I think that's why I struggled with this book so much because I started it clear at the very beginning of the pandemic. And I thought, Hey, I'm not gonna have much to yeah. do. So let's get this book done. Right. And I got very, um, I shouldn't say academic, but that's probably the best word. I, I was just very like, here's this, we're going to teach you this and we're going to teach this and we're going to teach this. And yeah. And I know it's because it's, it's around a process that I do for helping anyone step out of the closet, regardless of what that closet looks like. And I got really caught up in that, right? Instead of going, okay, you're going to use the process, but you're going to take people on this kind of interesting journey, right? Mm -hmm. And have fun with it a lot in the journey. And so then one of my friends read the first couple of chapters before I even was like, let's have, and God love her. She's like, Rick, this is shit. This is <laughs> This is not you. This is you got good. You got the good stuff in there that you're teaching. But she goes, you got to loosen it up, man. That's what's going to make this really good. So, well, and so it's the rewriting you, that can be fun too. That well, you yeah, know, going back into it, I, I think I rewrote my first chapter about 26 times, <laughs> uh, and that was the hardest part. And then you start looking at the other things and go, oh, you know, there's. I want to do this differently. I want to do this differently. Uh, uh, changing a character's name or 
or moving something around in, inside the story that suddenly like, oh yeah, that 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 makes more sense to me now. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's it is when it starts to make more sense to you, then you feel more alive. You feel more inspired. Like, okay, yeah, let's go. This, this, I finally feel like I land. I remember when I finally, so a year ago, over a year ago, Christmas break, 2021, I, the company I do work for, we always have the whole week off. I'm like, okay, going to finish this up, right? It's going to yep. get done, which it did. It got done. And then I got in and like, okay, that's done now. Of course, you know, as authors, we were joking about this before we came on the air. It's like, now it's time for the book proposal, which is just a piece of work in and of itself. It's like, oh my right. gosh. And so I started avoiding that like the plague, right? And then I was like, I'm not sure if I'm even going to go for that. I might just self-publish because I currently am self-published with my other book. I'm like, well, even that's an endeavor. <laughs> so I, I'm admitting, yeah. listeners, I got lazy. Let's just go there. I got lazy about writing this, right? Well, then as the year went on, I'm starting to like relook at the book. I'm like, this isn't still not quite right. So I'm like, okay, this year we'll do the rewrite. I should have never said this year because that's what I gave myself. Like you have all year, Rick, you get to have the whole year to rewrite. So then come up to the holiday week again, 2022 now. And I was probably a good two chapters away from being done. Now, most people go, well, just get it done. Two chapters. Well, the chapters are very long chapters because I take each chapter to talk about a certain piece of the process. And within the chapter, there's probably 18 to 20 mini chapters. So it isn't like just knock two chapters out. Right. But the 18 to 20 little chapters are like blog posts. Every one of them is less than 750 words. Yeah. So, you know, when you're trying to like constrain into that, that's actually harder work than let's just write, you know, fluid and then come back. And I started working through it. I'm like, wait, the voice is off and all this. But then I'm like, you are going to get this done (laughs) by New Year's Eve. This will be done. And I'm so glad I did it because it opened up so much of me getting myself back on track. Even though it sounds like I really constrained myself, it actually Mm -hmm. got me to go, go have some fun with this. Go have fun. And it's, I don't even remember how many pages it is. It's probably 243 pages in Word right now. I blew through that entire thing in literally a week. And I'm like, well, girl, wow. why didn't you Why didn't you do this like a year ago? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I found when I was rewriting is that I was rereading so often because of the same thing you're talking about. You lose the voice. You kind of say, oh, am I still speaking in the same way? Am I, am I still telling the story in the same way and from the same perspective? So I reread my book over and over and over again. And it, it's, it feels like it's part of my DNA anymore. I, I, I don't even know the difference between me and that book <laughs> at this point. So what's next? You got another book in you? you I do. Go? Okay, awesome. I do. I am uh, about a third of the way, maybe maybe 40% finished. Uh, with a second book, um, which has got a tentative title right now of uh, Who Disturbs My Peace This Lovely Evening. Mm. And it is based on one of the characters in the first book, uh, the real estate agent. Her name was Sarah Horowitz. And the new book is a person similar whose name is Wendy Leibowitz, and she lives in New York City and is an older lady who's uh, a real estate agent in in really shitty rentals 
and she doesn't have any money and she's 69 years old and just she and her friend across the hall. Um, so I've, I've been having a great time writing that one. And uh, the, it's sort of been going in fits and starts because mm -hmm. when I started Jane and finished it, then it went into the editing process and then it went dormant for a while. So I was able to go into the other book and then now I've been doing publicity work on it. So it's been taking a lot more of my time and I haven't had time for, for the new book yet. Uh, mm. But that's my goal is to get started back on it this week. Yeah. Well, it's, it's always like a, um, well, it can be a love hate relationship, but it can be like, there's a time thing. And depending on how you best create, if you force it, I know when I'm like, okay, you're going to work on yeah. this for this hour. No. I, I don't know do that well doesn't work for me either. Uh, yeah. Now I have friends who are like, yeah, you write an hour a day, an hour a day. I'm like, yes, you're okay. They're going to know. No, who I'm and, talking and, about. And but but it's what... like, you're writing boring corporate books. Okay. Right. I'm sorry. And, and it's a different me, thing. I want to be inspired. And often yes. I will take my walk. I have to I walk every day. And as I go out, I will sometimes need to take that time to, to create whatever it is. It's going to be written that day. And sometimes nothing comes. So, okay, nothing comes. I'll do something else productive. It is interesting to see when when the inspirations hit. You know, we were driving back from L.A. a few weeks ago. And um, all of a sudden, in the, of course, I'm driving. Of course, I'm driving this time. It couldn't have been when uh -huh. Hubby was driving, right? <laughs> and I'm having these inspirations. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to do this and do this. And then I, I said to him, I said, can you can you connect up having my ear pods? He's like, why? You don't want to talk to me? I'm like, no, honey, that's well, yeah, kind of, but no, <laughs> I, yes, it's a three hour drive. We we've sat here in silence for an hour. So yeah, I'm going to put my ear pods in because I don't want to talk to you. Right. Uh, I said, no, I'm just, I mean, I have some notes I want to put in my phone while I'm driving. He goes, can you do that? Why? I'm like, yes, just give me hook up the phone for me. Yeah. And I hit the button on the note and I start saying all this stuff. Because I knew if I didn't, I wouldn't capture it. I absolutely wouldn't right. capture it. So, you need uh, to put it down when it's there. And yes. and I'll do that as I'm walking. I'll I'll stop and, and take notes. I'm still a little old school. Oh. Yeah. That well, old school. There's nothing wrong with old school. Trust me. <laughs> There's times that I am literally like, I will be thinking about what I want to write. And I'm like, okay, I got to get to the computer. I got to get to the computer. But I'm like, I don't have a computer anywhere close. So then I'll put some notes in the phone or, yeah. you know, good old, you know, pad of paper. Like, right now, when I pick up the pad of paper, my, my thing is, girl, guy, you you need to, if you're going to write this down, please write legibly. Because <laughs> right. I'll just get going. And I'm like, <laughs> what was this I wrote down when I was talking to Chandler? I was like, I don't, I don't know what this was. <laughs> I'm the worst with podcasts because I'm like, I'm not making notes. You guys say something. I'm like, I cannot read one bit of what this said. So, but yeah. uh, it is. No, I, I love to get to a park and have a, have a seat and start writing. And I, I actually enjoy writing outside. So that'll be where I'll take some of my notes and things. And I, I enjoy writing in a library too. I'll take my laptop to um, actually a good chunk of Jane was written in the Boston public libraries. Uh, because I just enjoyed the atmosphere. Well, and that's a that to me is a key element. And I, I figured this out with this last book because I spend so much time where I am right now 
recording podcasts, coaching right. people, all this sort of stuff that the book seemed like work. It's just, I'm showing up into this space to work, right? Yeah. So then I kept trying to figure out, well, where do I do this? You know, where does it feel comfortable? And I go downstairs and try and work, you know, you know, on the dining room table. That didn't inspire me because the chair was uncomfortable and all this sort of stuff. So what I discovered, the best time for me to write was still here, but I would do it at a time that was normally not when I would be working, like a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. And I'm like, okay, this feels good. I wake up fresh, yeah. kind of do my thing. And then like, I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to go write. Didn't say I'm going to go write for, you know, because if it was suddenly, are we going to go do something? I'm like, okay, well, it's not time because now I'm feeling like crunched. I'm feeling forced, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but say we go out on a weekend and we come back like midday and we're kind of like, okay, what's next? You know, nap or, you know, sex or whatever. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm going to go write the book. You know, or we take a nap and then I, I don't nap very well. I can probably sleep for like 30 minutes. I'm like, okay, we're wide awake again. I'm like, okay, let's just get up and just go see what happens. And it was so interesting, Chandler, because sometimes I'd go for like two, two and a half hours. I'm like, wow, I thought we went yeah. and took that nap at one thirty, and it's five o'clock, you know? Right. Where did the time go? Where did but the time go? So that's when I, yes, but that's when, you know, you're in your zone. And yeah. um, so anyway. But good stuff. So I'm so excited for you. This is fun. And um, what do you feel like the most challenging thing at this stage of writing books is for you? Other than it sounds like you have fun doing it. I do have fun doing it. And and so I I think the most challenging thing for me is that I, I've never studied this. So mm. I am making all of it up on my own. Mm. Uh, my favorite author is Frederick Bachman. And uh, he wrote uh, A Man Called Uwe and uh, okay. Anxious People. Um, and he has talked about the fact that he also doesn't have any real process. He just writes mm -hmm. as he wants to and, and what he wants to. And so I think creating the space in my head to be open to ideas coming in has been um, a little bit of a challenge. But once it's there, it's fantastic. I can tell you in, in my book, I think that Jane, I, I never created Jane. Jane was always in front of me and I just wrote down what she said. And mm. it felt that close to me that it was, it was another person. So as I'm going into my second book, I'm looking for that same thing where I can sit in a room and listen to those characters talk and just be the stenographer. Mm -hmm. I find that so empowering. It's like you're the voyeur. Right. It's like you're just watching yeah, this unfold, yeah. even in mine, like the new book, even though it's a lot of, you know, observing or bringing some of my core principles of how you go live your unapologetic life and be who you're meant to be in the world and all this sort of stuff. I found the times that I was most in alignment and you can kind of I can see it now in the book and it's pretty aligned. I know I'm, I'm waiting for an editor to get a hold of this and go, this is no, no, no. I'm ready for that. I'm used to that. Right. But I can see those times when like I was sitting there as the voyeur listening to myself write some of this and then letting that alter ego voice show up and then bringing the humor right. in from. I mean, there's there's sarcastic humor throughout the book, but that's when I'm like, this is fun. I don't do well when I'm like, I mean, I'm really good like at also doing like, you know, like standard operating procedures and all that sort of stuff. I write that stuff all sure. the time. But if I had to write a book like that, I couldn't do it. I could not. I, if I had to have like, the, you do this process, you do it this way, 
yes, I know the arcs and everything and the hero. I get all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff, right? But if it feels too rigid to me, I freeze up. Same way with my podcast. I, I used to have, I always invite listeners like, you love this podcast? Go listen to the first episode or two. You would hate this podcast because <laughs> <laughs> it was so freaking scripted. And I finally, you know, my family heard the first one like, you did really good. You did really good. And then, you know, I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound really good. By the third episode, I'm like, I am so done with script. It's like, we're just going to go wherever we go. We end up because I think that's the beauty. Well, especially on a podcast like this, where it's about uncloseting yourself and being authentically who you are. It needs to and be it's about fun to see our own growth, right? Absolutely. Yeah, as, as oh my growing. gosh. Exactly. Well, except the waste. I don't like watching the waste. That, that's <laughs> yeah, like, can you. you just slow down a little bit? I mean, my God, I go exercise <laughs> daily. And as a 59 year old, it's like, you just, you're not going to, you're not going to cooperate. Are you You're just going to kind of go do your own thing there? But, um, yeah. well, you know what Chandler, I, again, I am so excited to see this really take hold and wishing you all the luck in the world with it. And, um, Please hit us up when you you got number two out because I would love to go Absolutely. explore. Okay, well, what's these voices and all this sort of stuff? So, um, but um, good for you. Glad to do that. Now you're still doing music. I'm assuming maybe you still do no, some music. No, no. I, I have. Nope, this has taken the place of that. So, uh-huh. so oh, yeah. as a musician, was there a particular instrument or singer or what? Were what did you do? In the yeah, I was a singer. Okay, okay. Well, you're using your voice. It's so interesting because somebody asked me once, like. If you told somebody what you do, what would you say it is? And I said, I use my voice for good. They're like, really? What do you mean Mm -hmm. by that? I said, well, I coach people, which is using my voice. I podcast, which is using my voice. I speak on stages, which is using my voice. And it was a weird, it was a weird like, aha, when I kind of had that in my own head. It's like, yeah, this is what I do. And it felt yeah. really good. It was one of one of those moments when you feel really aligned, like you were talking about, really aligned with the book. It's just so beautiful when that happens. And everyone listening, I think whether it's writing a book or finding your voice to do what you do or finding that, you know, endeavor in life, your purpose or whatever, or coming out of the closet, when you find that alignment, that is what it truly means to be fully uncloseted in your life. So... Okay. Anything else you want to share? This is your last moment, man. You get to brag. What's your website so people can find you? That would be a good thing to throw. My website is chandlermeyer.com. Okay. C H A N D L E R M Y E R. Awesome. Uh, good, good, good. And hopefully, um, I will have another book out there that we can we can talk about again in the near future. Well, it's only Monday, so you should be able to get it done by Friday, <laughs> right? right? I'll, I'll finish it this week. Yeah. <laughs> I always love that. Okay. Again, I'm, I'm going to say this and it's not knocking these people, but like, write your book in a week. And I'm like, Mm-mm. those, no, no, the, no, those no. I'm like, you know, don't get suckered into that folks. You can't, I mean, if you want to write a simple, like it just throw it on the shelf book, I guess that's fine. But uh, to me, the writing is a creative endeavor. It's a bringing your heart and soul to it. It's digging deep, all that sort of stuff. Even when you're having fun, even when it's fun fictional, there's a, a depth to it. I, 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 I use books as medicine because I don't sleep at night. So I've always got audio books on like, okay, I'm wide awake, put audio book on. I read before I go to bed. And I know this is going to sound crazy people, but it isn't exactly as I say it, but I do. I go through probably eight or 10 books a month because they put me to sleep. <laughs> but even when I'm sleeping, I'll wake up in the middle of the night. Sometimes I'll throw on an audio book. I'm like, 
this was as formulaic book as I could ever have found. You know, it's just, you can just tell by the tone and how, the words and everything. And again, I'm not knocking off you know, the yeah. author, but it's like, sometimes you can just tell, especially when you see, wow, they just have 10 new books out this month. I'm like, they're just formula cranking, formula cranking. Right. And not everything resonates with everybody else. No, no. But, you know, as, as you were saying some of that, one of the things that I did think was that we need to make sure those of us who are out here writing that we encourage people to buy their books from local bookstores mm -hmm. as much as possible, yes. uh, knowing that those things, no matter where you are publishing the book, it is available mm -hmm. from your local bookstore. Uh, you can, they can, they can order it for you and let yep. them be supported too. Cause yep. we want to be, we're, you know, we're working hard. We want our support. Yep. I want to see them do the same thing. Absolutely. Great plug there. I love that because it is important. You know, yes, you get bandwidth with the bigger ones, but I have always, sure. I have always said, go like my first book. I said, go to your local bookstore. Say you want it. And I said, you know, give them some money in their pockets. You know, you may pay a little bit more, but you're going to pay, you're going to pay as much at Barnes and Noble. So if you're going to pay that much, go to the That's local right. bookstore and say, I'd like to get this book. You know, of course, <laughs> when your book name is frankly, my dear, I'm gay. You might get some people going, mm, no, we don't carry that book. So <laughs> I, I was being thrown out of bookstores well before the drag Queens were doing story hour. So let's just go there. <laughs> but Anyway, well, Chandler, it's been so much fun getting to know you and having this conversation. I love it when we can have fun and chat and laughter is part Absolutely of the podcast right. because it's just, it's a joyful thing to put ourselves and our art and our work out in the world. So um, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and being an enjoyable conversation. And I'm wishing you nothing but great luck with everything else. So I'll well, check in with you on Friday on. to see if you got the book done. So just know it. Great. <laughs> See, I'm a coach. So I'm like, I'm holding an accountability. Here we go. Uh, but again, thanks so much for the time today, man. Great. Thank you. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about and you just might help change a life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted and never stop stepping out, stepping up and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.